You were listening to episode 142 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast. We like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we believe in magic in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. That might not be the uh, right song there, Ryan, but we are playing some Magic the Gathering this week. And uh, you, once again, got out of playing Blue's Clues. Yeah, and I think you've uh, forgotten something more than the realms this week, John. We've got a special guest with us. So if you caught our episode back in, like, November, uh, we had Justin on. And we were talking about some of the really just fun gaming memories that we had together and talked with Ryan about it, too. And it was just a good, fun episode. Justin. Hello, I'm Justin. Just an ordinary guy. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Uh, we uh, we all decided that this week uh, we would come together, do another group podcast. And, I mean, these guys are in a D&D campaign together. The D&D Magic set just launched. Uh, so we're going to be talking all things D&D Magic today. But, uh, you know, first we have to talk about our current pickups and our currently playing. So uh, our recent pickups. So my recent pickups include the Mortal Kombat 2 1-Up Arcade, which I think I brought it up last week, but I set it up this week. And it's pretty cool. So I'm enjoying that. Uh, I got my Retron 5 came in the mail. So that was pretty sick. I uh, started playing a couple of those Japanese games that I picked up from that massive collection back last year in like April. So go check out the great gaming pickup of 2020, that episode, where you can learn what I actually picked up. And um, what else did I get? I think that was it. I don't know. Yeah, that might have been it. Those were two biggies. Oh, and then, of course, the Magic Booster Box. I finally opened it. Uh, and then also Ryan got me a, um, a gift earlier this week uh, of a Magic the Gathering uh, fat pack. So that was cool. Pulled like four of the uh, Planeswalkers out of the new Magic set. I know. I yeah. should have just opened that myself. You should have. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I, I, I should have got two. I thought it was pretty cool because, you know, they had the D20 dice and it was actually randomized. This never randomized in a fat pack. Yeah, oh, so normally, always... no, normally it's stacked oh. for like life counter and such. Oh. But I guess, and it's a bigger dice than normal. Yeah, it's, so it's definitely bigger than the ones I remember getting before. Yeah, so it's definitely a bigger die and um, it's an actual D20 versus a standard like stacked dice for magic, which is interesting. Although I haven't picked up a fat pack in, well, ever because uh, I don't buy fat packs. Usually I just buy booster boxes. So that was interesting to finally open a fat pack and see what I could get out of that. And dude, getting that Lolf the Spider Queen Mythic Rare, it's pretty badass. But those are all of my current pickups or recent pickups. What did you get? Oh my god. Are you guys ready? Are you out there in Podcastville? Are you ready for what happened this week? Ryan bought and played stuff. Oh my god. So uh, last weekend, I was randomly... At a Walmart, and I've been hearing online, hey, if you're randomly at a Walmart, take a look, and uh, you might find an Xbox. And I found an Xbox. So I picked up a Series S, which I've been talking about forever. I got Game Pass. Uh, the Playdate came out, sold out in 20 minutes on Thursday. I got me one of them, too. And I got me a mess of Forgotten Realms uh, D&D Magic the Gathering cards as well. So this has been a super awesome, amazing week, and I've never been happier. And uh, I do have an announcement to make. I reflected on what the new game's resolution means to me, what it means to the people that you know 
we're supposed to stand up and and find a game that we've been wanting to play and play that game. Two years ago, I thought Persona 4 was that game for me. But I have now been to the other side and there is only Game Pass now. There are so many things with to distract me and leap from game to game. And, you know, with Game Pass, you have to ask yourself not what you can do for Game Pass, but what Game Pass can do for you. We choose not to finish these games. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. And... As God is my witness, I may never finish or buy another game for the rest of the year. Thank you very much. So, in other words, folks, Ryan has now agreed to play Spice World on the PlayStation 1 as well. So it looks like he has Blue Clues <laughs> and Spice World because he couldn't complete Persona 4. I have returned Persona 4 to the John Library. But this week, I played Medium. I played Halo, I played Night in the Woods, which I've been wanting to play forever, Dead Cells. Oh, man. The real question is, did you play Mario Doom? Odyssey? No, I did not play Mario Odyssey. <laughs> of course, and that's the game he has played. I still have Mario Odyssey. I still will try to finish that one by the end of this year. Wait, you can play Mario Odyssey on Game Pass? No, I just still have John's copy Mario me. Odyssey. So this man comes up to me with a Mario gift bag um, and pretty much just is like here. And I look at it, and it's got my... Uh, Mr. Mayo or Mr. Mayo Agi, whatever the hell it is I got, the Mayo game uh, from Lorenzo. I'm like, this doesn't count. And then he goes ahead and hands me an Elgato. I'm like, this doesn't count. That's mine too. And then I pull out Persona on the on the PS Vita. I'm like, this doesn't count. And then I find my Magic Booster pack. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a shame, dude. But yeah, it looks like Spice World. It's probably it's a, it's a pretty good gifts, John. Yeah, I think uh, next not next week because we probably will record remotely, but. Two weeks from now, looks like you got uh, an hour of Blues Clues, so we'll be doing an Inflation Deflation a couple weeks on Blues Clues, and then a couple weeks after that, we'll do an Inflation Deflation on Spice World. Sounds good. Yeah. I bet good. they're phenomenal games. Yeah. Uh, as far as my currently playing, I am still playing God of War, uh, which I am enjoying a lot. Uh, game is actually pretty damn cool. So I just got past the boat area where the giant like world eater type snake thing that wraps around the whole world uh, comes out. And um, that's the very beginning, the first instance in the lake kind of levels down. So that's where I'm at. I haven't played this since Justin was here. Uh, but yeah, that's where we're at. I've been telling him to play the game since it came out, and he finally just got to it. That's how busy he is, man. That, that's busyness and uh, backlog. Backlog hell. All right. Well, Ryan, uh, before we jump into what we're going to be discussing today, I know we got a couple things. One of them is going to be a discussion on retro games and uh, whether or not they have, you know, or which ones have held up, and I've got an argument on that one. Uh, we're also going to talk about a man who beat Dark Souls with a pizza controller, so that was pretty impressive interesting. Stuff. Very impressive. We're obviously going to talk a little bit of Magic the Gathering here before we talk about that, and, uh, you know, the Commander decks we played today. But first, you can find us on thegamedeflators.com. You can find us at Game Deflators on Twitter, at thegamedeflators on Instagram and Facebook, and, of course, those lovely podcast applications like you're listening to right now, along with Apple Podcasts YouTube, pretty soon coming to you. Uh, Spotify, Podbean, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Overcast, Podcast Guru, everywhere podcasts are found. You'll find us there and also leave a five-star review. Try to leave two five-star reviews if you're feeling kind of frisky. Leave eight five-star reviews. Eight That's five -star. a lot of fives. Yeah, eight five-star reviews. Justin's got, got it right. Okay, so Magic the Gathering, we obviously went ahead and picked up booster boxes, the two of us. I got the set booster. I think you did as well. 
Uh, you know, I'm not looking at it from a value perspective on this one. Um, I had a lot of fun with what I pulled. Got plenty of Planeswalkers, which is pretty interesting. Got Lolf. I've got Mordenkainen. Uh, the, the green one, the white one, the and full art Tiamat. The yeah, full that, art Tiamat. One, that was like, whoa! You actually pulled one of the best cards out of the set. Yeah, that was cool. I think Justin actually pulled that because we opened the booster box together. Uh, so the full art Tiamat and some really like interesting little nifty cards specific to the set. I love the art on this set. Obviously, it's D and D theme, so I just love that in general. But the sketched out art was really cool to pull from this. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's so neat. Like. I've been out of magic for a long time, so I was trying to learn a lot coming back in, but like I've been so stoked about these different sets ever since I heard that they were gonna be doing all these crossover ones. And it's just so fun like to be able to pull cards and recognize them and the amount of work they put into like detailing some of these cards. Like I was showing Justin earlier, they have so many of these cards that have like choices on them for what you want to do, and it's like uh, you see a guard approaching, and it's like, do you distract the guard? Do you, like, run? Like, there's different options, and they give you a lot of dynamic choice, but they also feel very d and I mean, like, I've seen a, a video online a long time ago. I can't remember who it was. I wish I could give them credit, but they would go through sometimes, like, if they were trying to come up with, like, a and d adventure or something, they'd, like, pull some magic cards and look at the art and try to get inspired to come up with a campaign idea, but, like with things that are on these magic cards like they're literally like setups and hooks and situations you could find yourself in and actual D, &D creatures and it's like you could really build like a whole campaign or you could i mean if you were like a really creative person and you played magic in like a really drugged out way or something you could play a game of magic and like think about it like a D&D &D adventure and it would actually have like progression and stuff uh the dungeon mechanic is such a cool thing yeah. to have like as an extra like little side thing going on the travel into the dungeon mechanic is really interesting the fact that they even put a d20 dice into a lot of the card effects is really ingenious on their part yeah i like that it's kind of it reminds me of the coin flips from back in the day like just, I mean, I know there's still coin flip type cards, but yeah, a lot of coin flip mechanics back then that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I like this set. There's so even far. like advantage. There's like a blue pixie creature that gives you advantage on your rolls. Like, yeah, that's so neat. Yeah, it's pretty cool mechanics overall. I, I really like it. I'm happy with the set and how it's turned out, and you know, I kind of want to dip into some standard, even though it's like the devil to me, and uh, see how I feel about because legacy is my jam, uh, as well as some modern. So we'll see how it all goes. But in terms of, like, original Magic, man, like, I don't know when you were playing, but I remember, like, my first booster pack was Mercadia Mask. Eldrazi was the last time I played. Yeah, so my first booster was Mercadia Mask. I pulled a Rishadon port in my first ever pack and then never opened another pack again until, um, I think it was Shadowmoor is when I kicked in. Played a little bit of that all the way up to, like, the Mirrodin Besieged, Zendikar Worldwake type of era, and then kind of jumped out of it until recently. Uh, so I've been picking up a lot of random cards here and there. Yeah, he's the one who cursed my wallet. He's like, he comes back and uh, he's like, "Hey, Justin, you got to play this magic game." And I'm like, "What? Really?" He's like, "It's really cheap, man. It's got a lot of affordable <laughs> cards in it. You don't have to build with the best cards." And then a couple years later, I'm spending a couple grand on this game. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I was in college playing, and uh, that was the first time I kind of got right back into it. And so we're sitting back. I relearned it. Had some decks and stuff. I come back home at some point in time and I just kind of sat back with him and my brother. I'm like, 
check this out. I'm like, this is pretty cool. So we start playing and we're like, yeah, this is pretty cool. And Justin was like, I don't want to get into another card game because like we had just gotten out of Yu-Gi-Oh like several years before that. Oh, were you guys like hardcore Yu-Gi-Oh We were like people? hardcore buying hardcore. Yu-Gi-Oh stuff. Like we'd go to tournaments and win in tournaments and such all the time. So like we had our decks like full blown. Like I was running Exodia. He was running some other crazy Lava stuff. Golem. Yeah, he was running some crazy decks. I was too. My brother was running decks. And then I, at some point it was like, check this out. And they started playing. He's like, no, I don't want to get into another card game. And lo and behold, the next time I come back, he's got like multiple decks and boxes of cards. It was great. I was playing in stores. I was I was, uh, I was playing pre-night releases and all kinds of stuff. I actually beat out 100 people in one of the pre-night release. And I got like two boxes for free. It yeah. was pretty awesome. Well, he got lucky. The two boxes you picked up were uh, the one with Liliana of the Veil, I think, right? Yeah, um, I think so. I, I'm not too sure. Yeah. And then, I don't know, like... Eight years later, I bought his entire collection and my brother's collection. Yeah, I know so, you got like a mountain of magic last it's year. It's ridiculous I, I, how much. Yeah, I, got. I gave it to him for like sixty percent, so he got forty percent off. That was the last time you were in town when that happened, right? Yes, yes, that was the last yeah, yeah. time I was here actually on your on your show. Yeah, yeah so. it was. Uh, it's amazing. Like, I mean, I've only been back into magic now for a couple weeks, and I mean, I did have a small stint with buying Pokemon cards last month. It's. It's amazing how quickly it catches you again, and then you find yourself like having that itch, and you're like, "Man, I could just that I could just stop crack. into this Target and buy a pack real quick, just get a quick fix, just listen to that foil crinkle." It's the reason it's called cardboard crack. <laughs> it's cardboard crack. There's actually a comic online if you look them up. The cardboard crack, and they do all kinds of funny magic comics. Oh yeah, I've been reading them for years. Uh, yeah, so. We're playing a lot of Magic now, and hopefully we can all get into a tournament this week, like some sort of draft or, or something. Yeah, like, that'd be that'd sick, be cool. and I'd like to try to spend some more time trying to, like... Like, I haven't made, like, a standard deck out of any of this. The only thing I've really done, I did a draft and made a draft deck with my friends out of the set booster that I bought, and that was a ton of fun. And then I bought a couple Commander decks and made my own, and we were just playing with those before we recorded. And I had no idea about Commander format, like... If you're out there and you're like I was two weeks ago and you like Magic but you haven't played in a while, there's this new thing, Commander, that's sick, man. Like, instead of my best ten cards in four and your best ten cards in four versus each other, it's a hundred cards and they all have to be different. So you get to see so much cooler stuff and do many, like, different combos and stuff. Like, you can have multiple games that it's not just the same thing over and over and over again and just basically because it's like it's boring when it comes down to all right who has the best opening hand wins yeah yeah the way that commander is is just because it's so 100 cards and there's so many different ways to play that deck there's so many situations that may arise that you've never been in before. Also, Commander, you generally play a lot higher cost cards, where in Vintage and Legacy and in Modern, you never play anything past, like, you know, five droppers, seven drops. You know, you don't really play that many cards. And in Commander, you're playing a 10-drop time card that gives you two extra turns. Like, it's ridiculous. I don't know about you, but in Legacy, I play 15 drop cards all yeah, the time. Yeah, you cheat it out into play. You don't actually get the <laughs> mana for it. He's just, like, sneaking show and wins the game. I love my sneaking show. <laughs> uh, yeah, but what I was going to say, like, you know, I remember playing back when it was, like, EDH is what the technical term, I guess, was. So Elder Dragon Highlander, I think, is what it was called. And so, yeah, it was basically Commander. And then it kind of went from there, as far yeah, as I it remember. it was like a fan mode, and then, like, 
Wizard saw that it was super popular and made it like a an a actual thing. official mode. Yeah, they well, released a set for it too. It's I think. technically not sanctioned though, so you don't have any sanctioned gameplay. You just have like pods and stuff that they do at stores, but there's no sanctioned gameplay tied to and it. And there is a restricted list. So before you start buying cards, make sure that the cards you're getting are not on the restricted list. Dude, it's yeah. crazy too. I went back to uh, that game shop and I was looking at the commander decks, and they had like maybe I mentioned this last time. They had like a commander deck that's like two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, or something. It's like some vampire deck. Oh yeah, there's a bunch of commander decks that came out a long time ago, and the thing is, is the cards that were in them, uh, because it's an automatic gimme. Uh, some of them are just worth quite a bit of money. So there was a point in time where there was one commander deck that was going for quite a bit because it had like Flusterstorm in it, and that card was like forty, fifty bucks at the time. And once Flusterstorm had several reprints, I mean, you can get it for like two, three dollars now. Um, or actually maybe more since things have gone up a bit more since last year. But yeah, I mean, that particular deck was going for quite a bit just because of that one card. Um, the Sliver deck that they released years ago, it's not a commander uh, deck, but the Sliver deck, for example, is like Slivers all foil. Cool. That deck goes for like quite a stupid amount of money. So either way, uh, I've always had a lot of fun with it. Hopefully we can play some Legacy um, beforehand or play some Modern some or good tournament. drafts. I love drafts. If we could drafts do a- are the best. We can do a draft this week. We'll have to find a store, call them up, see if they're doing anything, but I'd be totally down for that. Uh, Well, let's get into our first topic outside of magic, you guys. Uh, The first one was, uh, I'll let you read the article. It's going to be that retro game one. Okay, so which retro games hold up today and haven't lost their charm? This is uh, by Harry Thompson at The Nerd Stash. Uh, This is just kind of a short list talking about some absolute classics that really hold up to today and you know it's at this time where we're at in the generation like there's been a lot of other news we don't really have articles on it this week but like uh things are getting delayed a lot right now like we're going into the second holiday season for the next gen and there's really not like a lot of reasons to specifically own a ps5 a lot of that promised stuff is delayed or coming out on ps4 now it turns out so what are some games that you could absolutely play you know that will always be around for you even when the modern stuff disappoints that's that's what this short list is here and i think that uh you just run through the list we have to go into detail on each game yeah so i mean uh starter is uh, super mario bros 3 oh of course of course uh, Tetris, Mortal Kombat. This one I hadn't heard of. Sensible World of Soccer. I hadn't either, actually. Never heard uh, of it. It's uh, from 1994. Um, what's it say it's on? It doesn't even say what console it's on. I'm sure... It's probably PC or something. <laughs> well, it's got... What the hell? Well, let's keep going. Let's okay, keep no, going. it says 1994's Sensible World of Soccer... And it's got Xbox 360 logos in the picture on here. Might have been re-released. Okay, maybe. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, it's nice to see a soccer game without surprise mechanics. That's true. Or the guys that designed the game are actually time travelers. That too. That could be. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 rounds out the list here. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's a very short list, but, I mean... I don't know why Sensible World of Soccer is on here because of know. all these games, 
that is not even in the same universe as Sonic and Mario and Mortal Kombat and Tetris. Like, well, what? maybe it is. We hadn't heard of it. Who made this list? Uh, well, this guy was, did. Was this you, Harry Thompson? Did he, he leave out Tony Hawk Pro Skater? In there? Probably did. Yeah, he did. Oh, I have a word to pick with him. So, I mean, when looking at retro games in general, right? Uh, I think the overall discussion really needs to be on: Are they really going to die out in terms of? you know, popularity, right? Are they going to be something that we're not going to go back to? And I think it'll never die. I'll go to my grave shouting the praises of sensible world of soccer. Okay. Probably not that far, (laughs) but, uh, you know, still play Tetris. Tetris has taken many forms, but the original Tetris is always fun. Everybody always goes back to Mario three mortal Kombat's still a big thing in terms of retro and, uh, sensible soccer, I guess is there too. Sonic is probably the only one I would disagree with, right? Cause I don't know how many people are, rolling around playing Sonic 2 on a consistent basis. I mean, Sonic 2 is definitely a good retro. I would say of everything on this list, though, uh, besides Sensible World of Soccer, uh, everything else here has learned to evolve and move forward, and we're still seeing very successful iterations. I mean, Sonic uh, Forces was the last new Sonic game, I think, and now they're remaking colors and a couple other games but those aren't out yet like everybody knows how much sonic has lost its way as it's kind of inevitably moved forward but we can all agree that the older titles have still kept their luster at least yeah yeah i would agree with that and you know like we said the argument is that are these games going to lose any sort of popularity moving forward answer is obviously no people are going to keep playing retro games and um you know, I, I think, to your point, regardless of what the market looks like, if games are crappy, if new developers aren't putting anything out that we like, we can always go back to the classics, and there's always a huge array of games that you can play uh, from various um, companies year, years back. The one thing I would say, though, is there are going to be a lot of titles that, over time, just don't look as good. Uh, I'm trying to think of some right off the bat, but there's like a, a mech-type game that I had years ago that just looks like hot garbage if you try to play it on uh, Super Nintendo. Uh, there are some Nintendo games that look like trash when you try to play them nowadays. Uh, I think it's just really kind of pick your poison and, and see what's going to hold up best. But I think at the end of the day, retro is going to hold up for many years, even beyond right now. I agree. Yep. Uh, okay, well, what's our next article, well, man? There's, oh. there's one thing. So after I had read this article, it kind of made me think of something. And I guess I should have brought this up sooner so you guys had some time to think. Um, but kind of in that context of things from here that have really held up over time, like what's a game that you think that the original is still like good looking, holds up well, is like a really good representation of that game, but you would like to see remade in a way uh, to modernize it or give it like new, like a fresher coat of paint, like not necessarily like, the Final Fantasy VII remake kind of level of improvement, but just more like a, an HD remaster or something. Something that still keeps that nostalgic feel, but just in a more modern sensibility. So you're saying like the Trails of Mana, Legend of Mana type of things that it came out where it kind of 3D, like redid it in yeah, a 3D yeah. type so of like setting? What I was thinking of, um, and I don't know exactly what from this article inspired this thought in me, but I was thinking of... Uh, Brave Fencer Musashi, like that game, like with its like chibi art style and it's like weird gameplay and story, like the way that it looks now is a perfect encapsulation of that. 
and like trying to like modernize it in a crazy way with like ff7 remake wouldn't really hold up but i would like to see what it would be like if they were able to modernize it in some way and bring it up hmm apparently i've been handed uh two recent pickups breaking news breaking news i now have hell points on the ps4 I've been wanting to play that for a while. I've never even heard of that one. Yeah, so Hellpoint, go look that one up. Uh, the other one is actually a uh, PAL game on the PS4. Uh, this one is uh, You could just Ghost... tell this PAL from looking at the front? Uh, Peggy oh, 12. It, oh, it has Peggy 12, Peggy 12. in the corner. Okay. Uh, this is Ghosts of a Tale. So I've been wanting to play this one as well. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, Ghosts of a Tale is an action RPG. And then I think Hellpoint, if I recall, was... Doesn't say on here. I add a lot of stuff to my list all the time, every year. So, um, can't remember what that one was, but I know it looked really good and had good reviews. <laughs> At some point. At some point, so that's when I'll play. Well, I heard they were also remaking Fatal Frame. Uh, was that on the PS2 back in the day? The horror game? Uh, I think Fatal Frame came out. Yeah, PS2. Fatal Frame 1, 2, and 3 on the PS2. And then they had uh, Fatal Frame on the Wii U. As well, and that one's coming out on the Switch and PS4, and I think PS5, and Xbox Series X S. I don't know about the one, and probably PC, but yeah. So uh, that one's going to be coming out. But I think uh, to answer your question, as far as like a retro game, looking to have it remade, I think Chrono Cross is one that if it had that same kind of treatment, like the new Legend of Mana and Trails of Mana like, and all it's that, it's perfect the way that it is yeah. now. But to see what they could do with it. Yeah, to give it that yeah. nice little coat, that'd be pretty cool. Oh, Maybe yeah. um, like that Metro Prime uh, Metro game. They're really uh, Nintendo's releasing. Oh yeah, right? like Dread. Yeah, so Dread's yeah. technically not a remake, but um, it's kind of like it's, bringing it back. You know, yeah. like yeah. that style because mm-hmm. it's not the 3D style like they previously released of Metroid. Yep. No, this I agree. Is like a throwback all the way to like Fusion. Yeah. But so brought up or well, what was the? They just did that remake of uh, Samus Returns a couple years ago on the 3DS. Yeah, I think I have that, actually. So, yeah, there's a few good ones out there. Uh, another one, I guess, would be Donkey Kong Country 1, 2, and 3. That would be I, cool. I, not that I don't appreciate that game as well, it is. Well, I guess it would just look like the other new Donkey Kong. Yeah, really. exactly. That's what I was kind of thinking. It looked like the other ones, but it would be nice. It would be like a fresh coat of paint on on the old old thing and maybe some like additional bonuses and additional levels. That would be pretty cool to kind of throw in there. Because, um, uh, you know... For those games in particular, they had like this just luster to them, the way that they were set. There weren't a whole lot of gimmicky things like, um, you know, what you have in the Tropical Freeze and all of that. Mm. Like, it was just straight up original Donkey Kong Country, which I really enjoyed. Uh, so I think if they put that fresh coat of paint but left it the same and maybe added in some new levels or expansions of things, that might be pretty cool. Oh, that would be pretty cool. Like an update on the original game, extra yep. levels. Pretty sweet. Yeah, I think that'd be pretty nice. Uh, the director's cut. Director's Donkey cut. director. Reimagined. By John. Not reimagined. We don't want to reimagine it. We want to keep it mostly the same. So what do we have uh, next here? All right. So our next article, Man Beats Dark Souls with Homemade Pizza Controller. Uh, so the man who did this um, in the article, uh, from what I can tell from the treat, was Super Lewis 64 the actual article that we have is from Nintendo Wire and written by Jason Ganos, but uh, for the most part, it's just a little blurb and then a link to the tweet. Uh, this guy, I guess, beat Dark Souls with a pizza controller. He took like a controller thing, did something with wires, plugged those wires into the pizza, and then used the pizza 
to be, uh, you know, the man. I really hope it was a Hawaiian pizza because I love pineapple on pizza. <laughs> He's not allowed on the podcast anymore. That's it. <laughs> well, I saw a, a meme the other day or something. It was like uh, people who put pineapple on pizza and people who don't. We have a new common enemy, and it was like a pizza with kiwi on it. Oh yeah, I saw that. That was, that was pretty. <laughs> I, I think I shared that one. <laughs> yeah, you probably did. Uh, yeah, so I would have to say with this, I, dude, was there a full video on that? Because I just can't believe it. Somebody sat. I mean, back. he's streaming. So he streams. I mean, in the tweet, like the tweet is like a compilation but of I'm just, probably what he did. So I would imagine if we go to Super Lewis and look at his Twitch account, we could probably find like video on. I it. just want to know how many hours that man sat there and just think about it. the only way he could heal uh, with his Estes flask was to eat a piece of pizza. He said. So, and he shows himself streaming, eating a piece of pizza, and it heals. I'm going to guess either somebody on the back end was controlling it and actually playing the game for him, which could be weird, uh, or he legitimately did this in, like, spurts, like new pizzas every this single time he played. also, right under that, he has a video of controlling Final Fantasy XIV with a dual deck. This guy's crazy. I'd like to see him do it with a Guitar Hero controller. Oh, there's already been somebody with the Guitar Hero controller, but the pizza is um, pretty impressive, and the fact that he has to eat it to heal is even better. I do want to watch that full video. I don't believe him, and uh, after a while, cold pizza just isn't that good. So did he like stop healing? Did he have to reheat his pizza throughout? Did he buy oh. new pizzas? There's a lot of unanswered questions here from him. But I really do love cold pizza, especially <clears throat> if it's Hawaiian <clears throat> with pineapple. So tasty. Oh, God. I'll eat a pineapple <laughs> pizza every now and then if I need to, but it's only if it's the only thing there. Uh, Ryan, any further comments on this? I mean, I'm just super impressed and hungry. That's a, that's a good final comment. Uh, yeah, so I don't think we had any other articles to talk about today, but I figured we'll do a spur of a moment. Inflation, deflation on the new Magic the Gathering set. Uh, that's exactly what I was thinking here. Uh, so... Uh, we were talking about Adventures in Forgotten Realms Magic the Gathering set uh, developed by Wizards of the Coast published by Wizards of the Coast uh, released in July of 2021 uh, this is a TCG style game and uh, the reception is awesome I think everybody digs it I think that it's a very successful crossover I mean with everything that's been going on pumping up the world of Dungeons and Dragons in the modern world, over the last few years, it's been catching on like wildfire. I mean, last year with the pandemic, I mean, Pokemon cards surged. And I mean, I don't think there's ever a shortage on magic cards. I think you could basically always find magic cards. So, I mean, now's a great time to jump in if you're somebody who's a fan of one of these properties and curious about the other. It's a really great mix, and you could go the other way too. There's a lot of D and D products that take place in like uh, Magic: The Gathering settings, like set books. And if you don't want to go in person because you're still afraid of COVID, they do have the arena. Now you got to be really careful with the arena set uh, in the way that it is because there is a lot of things, microtransactions in the the app that you can play, but it plays just like the game. Uh, you can't play Commander on it yet. They haven't implemented that, but they do have drafting on it. They have all kinds of stuff. You can play against friends. Um, it, it plays just like the normal Magic game. 
Yeah, I've been wanting to try arenas um, for a while now. I haven't had a chance to load it up, mainly because my phone is just trash right now. I just can't imagine trying to own two different sets of cards, like physical and digital. That's why, you know, when I got rid of my cards, I'm like, you know, I don't go to tournaments that much anymore and stuff. And then I downloaded the game and I'm like, this is kind of perfect for me because I don't really have the time to go and I can play Magic on the go wherever I'm at. That's Mm -hmm. the only difference really I see in in having it on the digital version than in personal because when you have the actual cards, you actually have to have people to play with Mm -hmm. unless you want to do like a Zoom session or something like that. Yeah, and I haven't done a Zoom Magic session in a long time. The other thing with like physical cards uh, is just storage. I mean, there's just a lot of storage needed. Dude, I've got like four or 5,000 count boxes that aren't even in the house yet because I haven't had a place to put them. Uh, and I still got to sort. And from also, what I got if from like, you have like a natural disaster, so let's say you have a flood you know, and your cards get ruined, whereas if you have it on digital, it's going to be on, you know, you have an account that's actually yeah. in Wizards that if your phone dies, you just get a new phone and recover the account and you got your cars there. Mm-hmm. The only downside is, and we talked about this before digital versus physical and gaming is if they decide to shut servers down, if they decide mm-hmm. to get rid of a game, ban your account, whatever it may be, you don't physically own that. There's information. no like, resale value. Yeah. Well, they have, they have two versions. They have arenas and then they have the game that they said that they would never get rid of. That's been out since what, like 1998 or something like that. It's, it's old. It looks outdated. You know, but those cards, they actually do sell on the internet. They have this system called, like, Ticket System. Mm. It's really different, um, but I don't like it because it's slow. It, they did update the look of it, but it doesn't look as good as Arenos. Arenos looks great. That's, like, the premiere, and the other one's the Legacy. Yeah. Yeah, Magic uh, Gathering Online. Yeah, you can play with, like, Black Lotus on the other one. But, again, you know, they have, like, an, uh, an entire marketplace where you pay with tickets and stuff. But as far as, you know, this new set is concerned, I love the mechanics that have been introduced, like we talked about before, the dungeon delving, uh, the artwork is fantastic. The collector's edition, I haven't picked anything up from it, but I imagine those look beautiful as well. Uh, Of course, uh, the little bit that we played with the commander um, decks, I felt that the D20 implementation is a great implementation for this. It doesn't feel like you can't play these cards, you know, uh, in another type of format. So I think that they would hold a place in like the other formats if there's a viable card, of course. Um, and yeah, man, I, I've just enjoyed it. I think it's how much is it right now? What's the brass tax? So brass tax on Magic the Gathering is kind of all over the place. So like you can get a commander deck. I think there's four for this new set, and they're like forty bucks. Uh, you can get a set booster like we got. I think those are around like a hundred and ten to a hundred and twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could get one of those fat packs. Those are, I think, between like 40 and 50. Uh, there's three different kinds of booster packs that you can get. The set boosters, the other boosters, and the shiny one. And those are like, I think like 4 6 and $15 or something like that. There's the theme starters that you can get that come with like a bunch of uh, commons and uncommons, uh, all in a certain color or whatever. You can go online and buy singles. You can go to a store and buy singles. You can trade with your friends. Uh, you could probably uh, stand outside of a game shop and do performance art for common tips. There's probably lots of ways to get into magic, but really... Uh, my suggestion, since I just jumped back into it myself, would be to, you know, probably find somebody that's already into it 
get an idea of what you want to do and then probably pick up one of those command decks because there's strong theming and different ways to play and you know you don't want to buy something that you're not ultimately going to wind up being happy with and you're not going to have enough cards from one commander deck to really be able to break it into anything else to play any other way i mean if you buy it maybe just hold on to it for 10 years and maybe you got lucky and it actually had a good <laughs> card and you make you know it's another black lotus yeah, yeah. you get a you get a new uh, uh carve with it you know <laughs> uh yeah i think with uh this particular set i mean obviously they overprint a lot of this stuff compared to years past so your value doesn't hold as well long term unless there's you know some of those like uncommons or commons that you nobody know, thought about and all yeah. of a sudden five years later it just becomes stupid good yeah my... you get cards like that but i would say my my thought on it is right now at that 110 dollars price point to get a booster box totally worth it 40 yeah. bucks for commander i think amazon has it's like 120 for all four of mm -hmm. the commander decks is definitely a pretty good value if you want to go that route i think the best way you could probably get into magic would be to buy one of the set booster boxes with some friends and just run some drafts because it's going to come with enough packs that if you go in with four friends i mean for 20 something bucks you're all going to walk away with like you know a halfway whatever 40 card deck enough to at least play around and have some fun with and do some trading and get started yeah that's, that's a not a bad way. investment 20 yeah, bucks that's a fun way to do it um and then, yeah, I mean, I'm always, if you got the funds, pick up one of the pre-made decks or uh, a booster box and a See, deck. See, that's the thing. I haven't seen just, like, standard edition pre-made deck They'll come out with them if they're not series. out. Yeah, they'll have them if they're not out already. Like, they did it with uh, Strixhaven. has uh, its own little sets and such. So, yeah, I, I think it's worth it. I love the artwork and such and where it's going, and I definitely want to... The best. It comes. There's all these, like full art cards that are like numbered on the back and some of them have like a golden signature on them there's like full art cards for monsters that on the back of the card have like not the full stat block which would have been cool but just like the attribute stats for DD creatures i mean there's so much in here like if you're just a dungeon master just buy a single pack and open it up and just read the captions and look at the cards and like there's so much imagination in there you could totally just like be inspired and come up with some crazy adventure for your players or like maybe use it as a visualization you know and show the players hey this is what the monster is yes, and that's exactly what the I card and you know quite kind of you know as long as it gets that visual going the game even gets better you know mm -hmm. or in my case you just buy a giant ass booster case of minis and open there that bad go. boy up <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was a lot of fun oh man oh, yeah we you didn't weren't even talk about like the classes and stuff the classes are sick, too. I think that's an awesome mechanic. Yeah, I think for somebody like me, because I do play a lot of the the legacy and, and modern that type gaming. Stuff? That's all old stuff. So, like, a lot of what's in this set, that's why, like, with these sets when they come out, you can kind of every now and then pick and choose, like, one or two cards that come into the new sets and, like, implement it into an older deck uh, with no problem. But, you know, for me, reading a lot of these cards and what they do and seeing the, the mana costs and all that... When I look at it, I'm like, this is just standard. This is just casual play for me. And, um, you know, that's the only downside. So, like, the classes for me wouldn't do me any good. As cool as they are, they definitely fit in a standard um, setting. And I guess Pioneer down the road. Uh, but in terms of, like, the older sets, uh, it doesn't excite me as much, some of the classes. I'm more excited about some of the crazy fun mechanics and just doing this for casual play. I think that's where I'm at with it. 
Um, and of course, I do want to do standard, which is competitive, but uh, that's a different animal in itself where you get to mix the current sets that are out. I think the best way to get into the game would be to go to a local draft. And what they do is they usually have passing goes. Those are the cheapest ones to do. Take a lot of time out of your day, so you're paying for the time there. Uh, you do bat. You get three booster packs. You get uh, you so you open the first one. You look at the pack. You pick the card you want. Take the rest of the pack. Pass it to the next player, and it just keeps going. And then you get the cards that you want to build, and you build that deck. And it's a lot cheaper than going to like straight standard and buying three hundred dollars for a deck and stuff like that because you already got the deck to play with. And then you play like Swiss or you play all day with that one little deck. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's a, what I like about. The and it's drafting. a good way to build up rares too. So what I used to do is back when the uh, Mirrodin Besiege and all that was coming out, I would actually do pass and go drafts all the time. And I'd come out of drafts with like 12, 15 rares sometimes in pods of eight. My favorite time though is I got one of the swords, but it was a foil sword. Uh, mm. I forget which one it was, um, but I got two. So I got the foil sword, and then I got a non-foil in the same and pack. And then he dropped out of the draft. I dropped out of a draft. <laughs> I'm like, no way am I going to give up another sword, like a foil. I'm like, no, sorry, guys. Like I'm out, and they're like, what? I'm like, would you drop out? And I showed what I got, and I'm like, yeah, that, that's a good reason to drop out. Just taking a run. They, they had like no questions asked. They're like, yep, you're going to drop. We have no concern if you're leaving this tournament off of that. Uh, but yeah, it was always pretty cool to do that. So definitely pass and go drafts if you can get them at your local shop. Uh, well, dude, I don't have much else to say on this, but I would have to say that um, just right is is the uh, price. Yeah, point there's for this. no wrong. The, the only wrong is to not get in at all. Well, I mean, it's probably a right because Unle- that's unless, a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, unless you care about your money at all. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you're into magic, I think that this is a great set for sure. All right, guys. Well, uh, this has been episode 142 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John. I have Game Pass. And my name's Justin, just the ordinary guy. And uh, Ryan is the one that has Game Pass. Uh, But thanks for listening.